What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 199 of the Comics Pals, where a group of comic book journalists and friends get together because they don't talk enough about comics in their daily lives. I'm glad you're back, Pete. How was the Olive Garden crisis? I'll, I'll tell you what, Phil. The front lines were rough. It was rough. <laughs> you know, there is, a, there is an international breadstick shortage. Right. Unlimited soup. Wells have run dry. Oh, no. People are hurting. They're hurting. This, this is a tough economy for all of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, especially the family. And, you know, of course, when you're at the Olive Garden, you're family. But no one can go there right now. So, Bro, how many, how, many, how many breadsticks do you have to make? I mean, you lose count after a while, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> it's just there's so many, so many hungry so many tired and you know you just you just you just do the best you can well infinity isn't a number that you can count to (laughs) thank you you, mark you fooled me with that once before and i counted up to 50 before i lost count because i can't count very high but i still think (laughs) that you can count to infinity if you try really hard Um, that's that's the superman fan in you right you never know when to quit that's right uh, I couldn't help but notice that we lost two pals here. I think they must be training for the newlywed game. <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty clear that they are, are two of our strongest competitors. But, you know, I, Sean, Sean uh, is not one to lose, right? right. So, you know, like, he's got to be in the hyperbolic chamber, time chamber, you know, like, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, under five Earth's gravities or whatever trying to uh, to train for this. but. Kale, I think, Kale, I think is scared. You know, oh, I think yeah. he talks a big game, but I don't, I don't, he's not, he's not much of a competitor. Listen, like my man can't go in the hyperbolic time chamber. When you're his age, each year is precious. Like the sand <laughs> is already getting near the bottom <laughs> of the glass here, folks. Right. Exactly. So, you know, we'll see him. We'll see him next week for the newlywed game. You know, I, I know they'll be ready. They'll be here to compete. And, of course, uh, that will also be our 200th episode, Woo! which, you know, pretty, pretty crazy that we've been going for 200 episodes here uh, unencumbered. And uh, in, in addition to doing the Newlywed game, we're doing a little bit of a, of a giveaway in promotion and uh, to, you know, get everybody hyped for episode 200. Uh, that'll be starting on Monday when this episode drops. So you can go check it out right now over on our Twitter, uh, where we are going to be giving away a hardcover of the uh, House and Powers combo book that came out. Hoxbox. Hoxbox, yeah, like last year, I think. Um, it is a beautiful hardcover. It is one I seriously want in my collection, and I'm a little salty that I'm buying it for someone else. But uh, we thought, what better way to celebrate 200 episodes than to give back to you guys? So all you got to do is head over to our Twitter, and there's uh, you know, a whole little video you can watch that shows you what you have to do to, to enter. But just to give you a quick breakdown, you're going to want to like, retweet, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and then you can get extra entries by joining our Discord or going and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, and then obviously giving us proof of the fact that you did that uh, over on Twitter. So uh, if you are already doing all of those things, send us screenshots, whatever, you know, go like and retweet. You'll still be able to get entered. Uh, but if you're not, if you're an audio listener, if you've never engaged with us on any of these other platforms, go ahead, go do all that stuff, get entered to win. It's a great prize and uh, you're going to want get, to get your hands on it. And I'm pretty confident to say that episode 200 will be a great, great episode. So you're gonna want, not going to want to miss that. So I hope what? you'll go head over, follow us at the Comics Pals on all social media platforms, and uh, make sure you're entered to win. 
what can I do to not only get myself extra entries, but just get the book? You would have to leave the Comics Pals officially. Uh, you know, give, give up your shares in the company, walk away, and then just hope that the fates choose you. I think that... Um, I think that's amenable to Phil. Phil, is that is that okay? Can you do that? Is, <laughs> is that, that cool? worth it for the Hawks bugs? But... Oh me, I, I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to win, I do want to win. And listen, uh, don't give Kel any ideas because he's looking for a way out every single day. And I don't <laughs> just mean as this podcast; it. I mean in life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> for, for for you guys though, I feel like you'd want more than forty dollars to walk away. At least Marco; he's a shrewd businessman. $69, nothing less, nothing more. $69.69. It's the principle of the thing. <laughs> we're principled right. men here on the pals. Uh, and while we're plugging things, um, we also uh, announced our next book club. Marco, can you, uh, you, you I, I'm going to give this one to you. I'm sure you're very excited to talk about it. I am thrilled. We are going to be talking about Invincible. Oh, yes, the best superhero comic in the universe. Mm. Invincible is our. No, wait, I'm just kidding. I wish. Mm. Sad. No, sorry, 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 Phil. It's actually Swamp Thing, and Swamp um, Thing. Swamp Thing. What's that? Uh, so Swamp Thing is a little indie book, uh, <laughs> made prominent by a little little known writer, um, Alan Moore, and um, great, great stuff. Uh, we're gonna be reading it. You know, Phil, you, you might recognize the character. They made a cameo in Dark Knight's Death Metal as Harley Quinn's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. love the Lane Morris set. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so that's going to be dropping at the end of this month, the 25th. So tune in. I'm pumped. Yeah, so make sure you go and uh, check out. We've got the, the reading list up on, on socials as well. Yeah, um, and uh, it's uh, issues number 20 through 34, uh, plus the second annual. So uh, uh, a light amount of reading, but it's um, a lot of fun. Yeah, check it out. So if you want to, you know, um, we would love to get some questions for this one. So yes. if you want to read along and then send us your questions or, you know, um, even if you haven't read the book, if you have any thoughts on it, you want to talk to Marco, the number one Swamp Thing fan on the internet, uh, definitely write in, you know? And uh, you can do that, just like you can write into the main show uh, by hitting us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com, commenting on uh, whatever the most recent episode is that you've listened to, um, or uh, hitting us up on social media, again, at thecomicspals. And uh, the best way to get in contact with us is, of course, joining our Discord, where we've got uh, an ever-growing community uh, over there talking about Pretty much everything in the, the, the geeky world. You know, we've got a, a channel for comics, wrestling, weeb stuff with Marco, music. Hey. Uh, so, you know, whatever floats your boat, uh, we're, we're happy to come chat with you about it. So come hang out, get your questions right on the air, be a part of the community. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, and of course, the most important thing that I can plug is just, you know, uh, support the show, right? If you have been a long-time listener or if you're a first-time listener and you find that you like this episode, uh, make sure that you share it with your friends. If you've got comics friends in your life um, and you enjoy what we do here, the best way to help us out is to let them know that we're out here. Share the show, like it, you know, subscribe to the RSS feed, make sure you get us in your feeds every Monday. And uh, if you're over on YouTube, thank you for watching us there. Uh, we've been getting a couple of new subs every week, which has been great. So uh, if you're over there right now, um, hi, give us a like, subscribe, 
click the notification bell so you get when our videos go live every Monday and um, some of the extra odds and ends that we do from time to time. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you know how to do all the internet stuff. Let's do that. It's enough shilling. I'm going to throw it over to Phil for a little game called Would You Rather that we haven't done in quite some time. Phil, bring it back. What's going on? What are, we, what are my options here? It's been a few months. Welcome, everyone, to Would You Rather, the game, of course, where I know all the answers and my friends here, Mark and Pete, do not. I'm going to give them two options here where they're going to have to decide which one they would rather do. But, of course, they cannot give me an answer until I close the floor. When I give them the options, they will give me clarifying questions so they can learn more about their options. Without any further ado, our two options here are, would you rather have the powers of Superman, all of them, you know, flight, strength, super speed, super durability, the laser eyes, the whole mix, the whole kip and caboodle, but you have to perform every circumcision on the planet. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> or, <laughs> I was like, what's the fucking catch? <laughs> or, would you rather have the ability to control ants like Ant-Man, but the only way you can control the ants is if you produce them through your sweat? Ooh. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm opening the floor to questions. What's, how many qualifying questions do we get? I infinite until I close the floor for questions. Okay, so for the ant thing. Yeah. Like, what does that feel like? <laughs> yes. Like, does it, it just feel like sweating? Or it feels is like, it you're like sweating ants. But it feels like they're coming out of your body. Is it like popping? Yeah, they're coming out of your pores. Oh, mm. I don't. That sounds awful. Because if it didn't like feel like anything, I feel like that would be all right. You know, it's like you get used to it. Right, like it all of a sudden you control ants, ants don't bother you. It doesn't hurt. It just doesn't feel good. Can can you so is this like normal sweating where it just it's just like an, an automatic thing that happens, or can you control the sweat? You control the sweat. You decide when the ants come out. Oh. Okay. I, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to answer then. That's nope. no, no. <laughs> the floor is not closed. All right, okay, okay, okay. Superman question. Okay. Does does that include the power to uh, have uh, uh, super circumcisions. Uh, well, yeah, inherently they are they are super can, circumcisions. Can I do them with my laser eyes? Yeah, I mean that's the only way you can do them. Oh, that's not so bad. That'd be pretty quick, probably. And yeah. you're very like you're very good at them. Yeah, and like you're Superman, right? So like you can. How quick are you, right? Like you're you get there in and out. You're there. It's bzz, I'm out. Done. Bye. That's right. Mazel. gotta be looking at peeing all day Mm. Uh, but i mean don't think of it that way (laughs) i mean that's that's like the game though right (laughs) (laughs) next question Mm, guys don't give me questions we got doc points away here what i don't know okay um how how hard is it to so like if i want to control these ants right like how much of a sweat do i have to work up to get the uh, number of ants I need. You really need to work up a sweat. Think about it. Like it's like it's like you can't force yourself to perspire, but it's when you like when you want to summon the ants, it's that's when they're coming out. So like if you want a lot of ants, like you gotta work up a good sweat. So, so it's, it's not, basically like a, a you flip a switch and then your sweat becomes ants. That's right. Okay. 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 So when and, I wake up in night terrors, surrounded by cold sweat, it won't be surrounded by a cold sweat of ants. Unless 
you know, subconsciously. Uh, Unless you wanted that subconsciously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be you terrible. You produce cold ants. <laughs> but even that, right? Like, I feel like you'd get used to it really quickly. Because, like, That's, I think, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, ants are, I think, probably, like, visually and everything, like, probably one of the least offensive insects. You know, like, I don't feel like people are, like, afraid of ants. You don't want ants. But if you could control them and be like, hey, fuck off. Don't eat my food. Don't infest my home. Like, I feel like you'd get over that pretty quickly. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, so I can only do the ants that I've produced. So what about every other ant? They're just regular ants. You know, you have no power over them. That's bullshit. <laughs> so wait, so if I've never <laughs> decided to flip the switch, I just don't have the power? Um... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you have to like activate it. <laughs> but you want to have the ants. I do want to have the ants, actually. The right, uh, have to you have to make your own ants to fight other regular ants. If they <laughs> That's right. If there's ever an alien ant farm invasion, you can produce your own ants. Or you can just become the ant king now by producing an, uh, an, as many ants as you can to take over the other ants in the world just and have destroy like destroy every other ant in the world and like have small factions that you control like dominate but think about it this way that's super you could have shit. serious ants in your <laughs> pants mm. but i can't get I, ants in other people's pants if you get if you get that bad swamp ass while you're trying to make ants <laughs> like poof <laughs> <laughs> You, every battle, every battle before, like you can, uh, you can help out. You got to do like a warm up. It's like, hold on, guys, I'm ready. To... Hold on, guys, I got to jog around the block. <laughs> I got to make some answers. Questions. Okay. All right, Marco, which choice are you choosing? Are you, are you gonna be a super circumcision man or are you gonna be sweaty ant man? Man, be sweat ant man, swant okay. man. Why? Why is that? Uh, because I don't have to produce them if I don't want to, but. I thought about it, and I'm like, oh, this would be a great way to, like, slowly take over the world over the course of years. Mm-hmm. Over the course of years. Like, I can get the ants, infiltrate the White House, and then one of those ants will become a queen of a colony and be placed at the head of the, uh, uh, in the Oval Office. Yeah, big chance for a lot of pranks here. You, you know, you replace the president's hair with a wig of ants, basically. Uh, wow. that, that's a good look. That's good. Orange yeah. fire ants. Uh, Pete, what are you thinking? Yeah, I definitely would go with the ant powers as well. Um, because I feel like in general, like what you're offering with the Superman stuff, yeah, it's objectively more power, but like, you know, the old Superman saying with more power comes more responsibility, right? Uh, it's like Clark Kent said, um, (laughs) and like, basically it's just like, how would you like to be Superman, but also have the responsibilities of a rabbi? (laughs) It's just like, no. That seems like a lot of work. Like all of a sudden the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I got to circumcise all these babies. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Well, I feel like with the ant, like nobody expects anything of Ant-Man. Come on. It's like, you know, you're you're, like, I could do good with it. But like, it's, it's not going to be like, you know. I won't like hear the the world suffering around me all the time, you know. Like I, I just I just feel like it's it's a way lower bar, and if I don't want to deal with it, just just flip that switch, baby. Well, it turns out that you both answered incorrectly oh, uh, because you didn't you didn't answer all you didn't ask all the right questions. Uh, the ants don't last very long; they're only around for sixty nine minutes, and then they die. You know, if you guys would have asked a little more qualifying questions, you would have known this. 
Uh, so you both sixty nine seconds. Sixty nine minutes. Uh, that's not that bad. That's fine. Wait, what's the clarifier for the Superman then? Well, the question you didn't ask then is uh, you are also really hot. So, yeah. Huh. What? <laughs> that's a play. Would you rather? <laughs> okay. <laughs> No winners this time. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I don't remember last time we played this game. It was probably like three months ago, but uh, that's okay. I feel like it was like three years ago. I don't even. <laughs> we did play kind of recently. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, listen to our 200th episode. We've got more games coming up then. We sure do. All right, so let's jump into the Pals Pulls. Uh, this first one comes from Phil. It's Maestro Number 1 by Peter David, German Peralta, and Dale Kion. Kion? Kion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So the Maestro was a character that Peter David created in his extremely celebrated uh, Incredible Hulk run. And uh, huh. it's like, the future Hulk that takes over the world because he's smart and powerful. Uh, it's a character that isn't super utilized uh, terribly often nowadays. Uh, and I've really enjoyed Peter David's kind of tour with uh, characters he used to work on. He's a phenomenal writer. He's one of the best of his time. Uh, he, of course, had just most recently visited Spider-Man 2099. Uh, and with all the good Hulk stuff that's been happening lately, I'm interested. So... Uh, this is a miniseries. It's only five issues long, uh, so I'm into it. Cool. You have to let us know how that one is. So, yeah. Marco, you had uh, Last of the Independents, uh, which is uh, a collection. Uh, it's a reprint of an old book by Matt Fraction and Kieran Dwyer. Yeah, and uh, the Fraction name attracted me to it. Sure. Um, and, I mean, uh, I think I've uh, I started to read November, which is him and um ugh, I forgot, i'm forgetting the artist's name but we had read her work uh, as part of our um our book club the what was it time loop oh um yeah 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 uh it looks like it is um, come on image.com you're letting me down right now <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but like, it's I'll save you Marco. I'll pull this out. Nothing. But it it's uh it's it's very cool. Like uh it it looks like an interesting concept and I I didn't realize when I was trying to first like find it and google it that there's actually a um uh a which one call it. Um so it's Elsa Chartier. Yeah. And Matt Fraction and and that was a um reading November has been pretty interesting. So I I I like some of his stuff. I've read some of his hawk his Hawkeye run, um, which is pretty good. And I, I, I did enjoy that. That's sort of like the only thing that I know of him. So this might be some, uh, like a way to get into some of his earlier stuff. It's a crime and mystery sort of gangster story. So yeah. that's definitely down my alley. And you never um, read sex criminals. No, I have, that's I have surprising. the, the, I have the digital of it. I got it in one of the last uh, humble bundles, but I haven't read it. I, I know it's supposed to be like really good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just surprised you haven't read it because like, I know, that was like one of the popular books when you kind of like when we both were getting into image, like, you know, as uh, in our, our early twenties, <laughs> it was the I, one. Um, I've never read hog guy though. Like who's hog guy. Hawkeye. Hog guy. Like hog guy. <laughs> no. So he's not a pig man. It's a common misconception. What, what he is actually is he's half man, half pig, but from the hip down. Oh, okay. Man. 
Oh, so he's like he's like Phil from the Disney movie Hercules. Yes, exactly. Yeah, kind of Devito. That's a, that's but a, a pig yeah. instead of a goat. That's right. A satyr. <laughs> See, I was I was thinking like it was like you know he was like uh, had like a motorcycle. You know, he's like a oh, bike. that's good. Like hog guy. Mind the hog guy, brother. Maybe it's a pig <laughs> that rides a motorcycle. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Did hog guy have too much sashimi? <laughs> no. Oh God! Now I'm just imagining him with a handlebar mustache, dude. Like, I bro, can't. Hulk Hogan in that sex tape does say, "I feel like a pig, brother." <laughs> oh no! All right, I'm I'm pulling this uh, I'm pulling this plane up, I'm jumping into the news here. Uh, so let's just get the sad news out of the way first. Um, as as I think we all probably knew. Uh, New York Comic Con has officially been canceled and is going to yeah. be going all digital for 2020. Um, not a surprise, but definitely a disappointment. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that's like the con that we, we go to every single year. Like, we always go to multiple cons, but that's the one we've gone to every year since, um, since we've known each other, um, even before we were the Comics Pals. So uh, this would have been, I think, my, I don't even know, uh, I think my 11th or 12th. Damn, the uh, the streak the streak is broken, unfortunately. Um, but not on purpose. Yeah. What's that? Not 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 on purpose. Not for lack of trying. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, um, you know what? The streak isn't broken either because the con was canceled. That's true. I didn't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, I do have uh, Read Pop's official press release, which details some of their plans. So I'll I'll, I'll read from that real quick. Um, so the, the boilerplate stuff is that obviously the physical event at the Javits center is not happening. Instead, read pop is partnering with YouTube on an all digital event, um, that is going to, uh, quote, bring the excitement community and incredible content expected from NYCC directly to fans around the world. Uh, from October 8th to 11th, the New York comic-con YouTube channel will exclusively live stream panels from leading entertainment brands. Stars will bring the epic American gods, CBS, and they just like list a bunch of stuff that's going to be there. It's mostly TV stuff, doesn't matter. Uh, more news will be made in the coming weeks about content, including premieres, announcements, fan contests, and more. In addition to the panel streaming, and I'm jumping around here, but in addition to the uh, panel streaming live and on demand exclusively via YouTube, fans will be able to participate in talent Q&As during panels, uh, turn every panel into a watch party, and geek out with other fans using YouTube's community and live chat features. Repop will also give fans the opportunity for experiences that will get them up close and personal with meet and greets, live Q&As, personalized autographs, videos, and professional workshops. While fans won't be able to stroll the show floor and artist alleys, uh, aisles at Javits this year, Repop is creating a virtual marketplace for fans to explore where exhibitors and creators will share oh. their newest items. There will be more information on these exciting fan developments unveiled in the coming weeks. That's cool. There's... um. And there's like a lot there, but I think one of the things that they've done is probably learned from the mistakes of like San Diego, where a lot of it was just like pre-recorded stuff. Um, a lot of it was it didn't necessarily allow you to interact with uh, with the actual people working on like on the show. And I think that was a detriment because there's no necessarily need to hop on live for it. Yeah. You know, you can you can watch it at your leisure. And I know that Phil had made. Um, that was one of his, his uh, critiques of it when we had brought it up previously. Um, and 
uh, to the point on like, we knew this was coming. I, I, I definitely, you know, this wasn't a surprise. Um, no, not at all. I, I do remember they had a few months back sent out an email like in like June or something being like, Hey, what would you think of if we did this as like a digital thing? And you know, they, they had a whole questionnaire and stuff like that. So at that point I was just kind of like, Oh, they're definitely trying to gauge um, what they should be doing and where they should be going with this thing. And then, so the digital marketplace, I mean, that's awesome. Like I, one of the biggest things for creators is the con um, is, is being able to go uh, attach your face to a piece of work and be able to, to sell, to bring on, um, people on board for your work. And I think that's the hardest thing. Um, it's, it's easier to do when you're interacting with somebody directly than it is over like a zoom call or like over just like, Hey, this is my work. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how they're going to balance some of that stuff. Um, I think unfortunately you probably can't totally. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I think to the point you're making about like how much, especially like independent creators or like up and coming creators, yep. like I think live and die by, you know, their ability to uh, sell their work, you mm-hmm. know, and like make a personal connection. I think that's going to get lost. Like, yeah, it's cool that they're going to have this digital marketplace as like a, way for for people to probably like have commissions be ordered and like some you know creators to sell their books and stuff like i can't imagine they're going to see the same level of sales that they would if they're actually there tabling yeah 100 percent. i mean I, I hope that's not true but uh, and that's obviously been a giant giant loss this pandemic um for our community is just how many artists and, and creators that uh, really depend on the the lifeblood of of the interactions of of the direct market um you know so many cons have been canceled this year because of the pandemic and you know that lifeblood is just lost um i i certainly certainly hope that all our friends who really depend on 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 this uh, for their livelihoods you know aren't too drastically impacted because you know for for us you know getting to interact with friends that create so many great and beautiful books. Uh, you know, that's a big part of the reason why we love going so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, this is a blow. It really sucks. Yeah, man. And that's, that's, I think the thing that, uh, that I'm really concerned about when I think about like the, the term ramifications of, of everything that's been going on this year is like, you know, obviously the, the most important thing is, is the loss of human life. And I, I don't mean to diminish that at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, like art and entertainment. Um, but those things are important. And, you know, I, um, I shudder to think how many people will like have their careers like end or, or significantly be impacted, you know, or how many Mm -hmm. like institutions, like, local comic shops or conventions and stuff like that are going to, you know, uh, really struggle or, or disappear. And like, does something return to, to fill that void enough, you know, that like all this, you know, just sunk lost revenue for these people. Like, you know, is that something that they can recover from, you know? And like, I, I hope, I hope so. Cause that, that is something that like, 
oh, you know, I just, I hate to think about, right? Like it's, it's hard enough to make the decision to consciously dedicate your life to making art. Right. Um, when you live in our society and it's not, excuse me, a global pandemic. So I don't, you know, ah, I just, I just hope for the best. You know, like this, this news definitely bums me out on a personal level because, you know, this is one of our best opportunities to like see each other and hang out and have fun and, you know, shoot filming in and, you know, meet up with our friends and like see people like, you know, Matt and Tyler. And, um, those are, those are all things that I'm really going to miss. And they're things I look forward to every year. But the thing that really, really concerns me and bums me out about this is what it means for the creators that are not, you know, the Scott Snyder's and, you know, Brian Michael Vaughn's and, you know, whoever's of the world who are like, you know, rock stars of this industry. It's like the indie up and comers, the people who, you know, um, are, you know, are, are just making it that like I'm worried about. Cause that's like the next generation of talent too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, like hopefully uh, people tune into this one and that translates to some of those uh, like actual books being sold. Cause if it's, if it's going to be something to what happened with San Diego, like, was it like a 90% decrease of what's typically seen or something like that? Like then um, it's going to be tough. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I hope for the best. So let's move into our next story, which is actually like all of our stories for the rest of the day. Cause this week is like, it's all about DC baby. Um, so there's a major, major reshuffling at DC comics this week where DC comics and DC universe were both hit by uh, a ton of layoffs. So this uh, comes from the Hollywood reporter and uh, I'm going to be like pulling here and there from, from their article on the subject uh, by Graham McMillan. So shout out to Graham. Um, So the majority of the staff at DC Universe has been laid off and uh, about one third of DC's editorial ranks are being laid off. So DC, DC Universe, the app? Yes. Okay. But DC Comics, one third of their editors have been let go as well. Woof. So it's, this is a massive, massive amount of people losing their job. Um, So... Uh, this is a direct quote from the, the Hollywood Reporter article. Among those said to be losing their positions are Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris, Senior VP of Publishing, Strategy, and Support Services, Hank Can- Canales, uh, VP of Marketing and Creative Services, Jonah Wayland, VP of Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, Bo- Bobby Chase, Senior Story Editor, Brian Cunningham, Executive Editor, Mark Doyle, who oversaw the rollout of the Black Label graphic novels. Uh, and then there were rumors that Jim Lee was also being let go. He is no longer going to be an editor, but he will still be this, the chief creative officer. Hmm. So a ma- major, major shakeup, obviously. Uh, and then to take it back to DC universe. Um, it says insiders say that the majority of the staff for the streaming service has been laid off a move that had been widely expected as DC Warner shifts its focus to the new streaming service, HBO max, which is something that uh, I, we talked about recently on the show. And I know I predicted that like the end was, was near for them. Yeah. Uh, and this was a quote. It says DC universe was DOA. As soon as the AT and T merger happened, said one source. Damn. Oh, Oh, so this is like continuation. Like, like those are those continued ramifications of that merger then. Yes. 
Uh, and HBO Max, I guess, in its existence, are are even a ramification of that on some level, right? Like, and 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 that that was the thing, right? Like, like to your, yeah, to your point, like we had called that out. We're like, okay, we started seeing shows shifting over. The new HBO Max thing had basically all all the shows there. The only thing they don't have is like some of the animated stuff, and even yeah. then, they have some of the animated movies. Um, There's like but, redundancies all of a sudden. Yeah, and and when you see that, like that's obviously an indication of just like okay this larger product that more people subscribe to is obviously going to take priority. What is going to happen to the, the DCU app? And I think, I don't know if this necessarily means that like, that's it. It's like being cut. Cause it is also partially a comics reader. And I know that I've, I've been using it as such. Um, so I, I'd, I'd hate to see it go because it does have a really, really large selection of, of DC books. Yeah. I, I feel like they're probably just not seeing the returns they want on it, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know. Like I trust the Hollywood reporter for the most part, you know, like mm-hmm. they're usually pretty right about this stuff. So if they have a source who's saying that it's like DOA and like, we are seeing a lot of the flagship programming get shifted over to this new struggling service that they're trying to make work. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. Is HBO Max struggling? I believe so. Really? Um, I don't, I don't have like a number in front of me for that, but that's my perception of it. Um, if, well, I don't know if one of you wants to fact check me on that, but that's I'm, interesting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of anecdotal negativity about it. I guess is, same is more my like I don't I don't know anyone who has it who didn't get it because they already had HBO Max, mm. and I haven't. I've all the conversations I've had with anyone who's had it or that I've seen happening about it online are people kind of complaining about the lack of content and that's crazy. I I've used it a couple times. Uh, and it has so many like Criterion movies on there. Mm-hmm. That's so hard. Uh, That's cool. Which are I haven't checked it so out. So hard, to, which are so hard to come by uh, and pricey too. A Criterion has uh, some kind of uh, subscription service of their own, and and it's fairly pricey. Uh, I I was kind of impressed by HBO Max, if I'm being honest. Uh, and Doom Patrol's on there now. That's cool. Okay. Uh, which speaks to the redundancies of you know the DC app, obviously. Um, the one of the more cynical aspects of the pandemic, unfortunately, is that for many companies that were planning on doing a lot of shifts in personnel, this was this pandemic was a was a was a big excuse to lay a lot of people off yeah. that they were already trying to find ways to, you know, downsize and payroll. And when it comes to the people that worked for specifically for the DC universe app, um, it sounds like this is an example of that where, uh, mm-hmm. AT&T time Warner, uh, saw something they had no interest in to begin with. And, you know, obviously the pandemic has hurt people's bottom lines across the country. And this was a very easy way to use a guillotine to cut off some dead weight in their eyes. But, of course, the reality is these are people. When we make, when, when people, when, when corporations make personnel decisions like this, it isn't a black and white thing because it, it's, it hurts people's lives. It hurts their livelihoods. It hurts their standard of living. Um, so that really sucks. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Uh, the economy is 
slightly improving right now compared to where it was in, you know, April and May or June, but it's still hurting in a significant way. And people were, I know people personally who've been laid off who can't afford groceries and stuff. That's the kind of reality that we're facing now. And they're certainly not getting any kind of federal aid now because, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. So stuff like this really sucks. Yeah, and to uh, to take it back to to the story, um, another victim of the layoffs uh, was actually DC Direct, which is uh, uh, DC's in-house merchandise and collectibles manufacturer. They've been around um, forever. Yeah, they've been around for 22 years. Um, and this was another thing that was rumored because Warner Bros. consumer products had been uh, taking a more active role in, in DC's merchandise. So um, it just looks like another thing where they, you know, axed this smaller subdivision of DC to have the broader corporate, you know, partner, I guess, take it over, uh, which is obviously not great. And obviously, again, leads to tons of people losing their jobs, which is heartbreaking. Right. Uh, with regard to the actual personnel at DC Comics, seeing Bob Harris lose his job is surprising. He's been around since the 70s. Um, you know, if you, you want to talk about an old boys club with, with the bullpen at DC Comics, you know, he's one of those old boys. And, and that's not an indictment of him or anything. It's, I'm just kind of speaking matter-of-factly. Um, you know, that kind of hits us in a more personal way, uh, seeing, seeing all these editors and stuff at DC Comics proper get laid off. And uh, it makes me apprehensive about how companies like Disney or AT&T and Time Warner will treat, you know, their publication departments of Marvel and DC Comics. Because, uh, like I said before, uh, when you have giant global pandemics like this, it makes making difficult decisions seemingly a little easier in, a, in again, a cynical kind of way. Yeah, it's easier to be aggressive about things that you know you already kind of like were you know like they weren't making as much money as you wanted them to so when they start losing money it's like well fuck it right i feel like a story came out earlier in the year maybe like the beginning of the year about how um or it was referenced that diane nelson had sort of mentioned that you know they were looking to do a lot of downsizing at the at, at dc in general and potentially like start paring down some of the uh, if I'm not mistaken, some of the publishing. So I wonder, like, with the lack of editors now, how that's going to affect the amount of books that get out. I'll tell you. I'll Ooh. tell you, Marco. Oh, I'll tell you how. Okay. See, over... I did the Sean thing, right? Where I gave you a little bit, and now here's another layer, and then there's another layer. Okay. Right? So before we get into the the straight answer for that question, or at least DC's answer to that question, uh, I'm going to take you into another story where DC has canceled another slate of books. And if you'll recall, this has been something that's actually been happening a few times this year, yeah. right? Like they had already been pairing back and uh, I believe it was just, um, I believe it was just a few months ago on the show where we were talking about how uh, Harley Quinn, Batgirl, Red Hood Outlaw, Batman and the Outsiders and Justice League Odyssey had all been canceled. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was early in the year. But so now a new set of books has been, uh, has been canceled as well, which includes Hawkman, Hellblazer, Teen Titans, Young Justice, and Suicide Squad. And Aquaman's future, uh, which has you know, been worked on by Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, most recently, um, has also is, is up in the air. 
What? We're not sure about what's happening with it. So uh, there are, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some wrinkles to this, though. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the ones that are, are kind of not in this conversation first. So uh, on the note of Aquaman, right? Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick actually went to Twitter to talk about this a little bit where she had gotten a, uh, a tweet from a fan who said, it has come to my attention that your tenure on, in Aquaman will end in November due to cancellations. I hope this is not true. If it is, I express my condolences. I know you have been in this game to experience projects being canceled, but I can imagine that it still hurts. Uh, and Kelly Sue said, you're very kind, but condolences are unnecessary. I'm leaving the book a few issues past when I'd planned to leave. I stayed on longer than I'd intended because the pandemic school closures caused me to fall behind and I needed extra time to wrap up storylines. Uh, and then you know, it's like a whole thread where she goes on to like thank the creative team and say how much she really loved it and loved the community around the book. And, you know, um, she said uh, she did confirm where there is kind of like, there is an uncertain future of it, right? Where she said, uh, there's a lot, she's thanking everyone for the kindness of like accepting their run on it, right? And she said, there's a lot of anxiety when a new team comes aboard and I deeply appreciate your trust, patience, and support. The only bad news for me personally is that there's no one to pass the torch to in the immediate. But oh. then jumping ahead to a later tweet in the thread, she says, here's the thing, this isn't the end of Aquaman. What has he taught us? Steer the boat, not the ocean. Wait for the storm to pass. When the time is right, he'll be back, I'm sure of it. And look forward to reading his new adventures then. Um, so it, it seems pretty clear that they don't seem to have plans for an Aquaman book moving forward. Uh, but Kelly Sue's wasn't necessarily canceled. It was just kind of the intended end of the run. And there's no plans for the book after that. And there's this, oh, did you want to comment on that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go Um, ahead. Jump in. I just think it's interesting because like, um, at this point, I feel like Aquaman is up there in, in, in similar league to Wonder Woman, you know, Superman, Batman. It, in, and like obviously they're part of the Justice League, but I feel like in recent years he's gotten you know that much bigger. He has obviously a movie. the film was was really popular, right? And so um, I just think it's interesting that they wouldn't have that as like a priority book, like a Suicide Squad. I know it was it was popular, but um, and and that sucks. I know I think Tyler of uh, the Lombox had mentioned that that you know it was disappointing to see that go. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to interrupt you because you brought me Damn, to the other dude. thing I was going to bring up. I'm sorry. Let's go. But Tom Taylor also took to Twitter to talk about the end of the book. And he said that the book wasn't canceled. Oh. And that there are actually plans for it to move forward in a different way. So Tom Taylor took to Twitter and said, here it is. Coming in November, 11, issue 11 is our final issue of Hashtag Suicide Squad. I love this book and these characters. This isn't the end for the revolutionaries. We are planning uh, and then tagged the creative team and then said, also seeing reports saying that Suicide Squad was quote unquote canceled. Not really. We've known that this is essentially a maxi series and planned accordingly. We're telling the whole story we wanted to tell and we're already planning a future for the characters who survive. Sorry, Deadshot. Damn. Okay. Damn, interesting. Dude, that's savage from Deadshot. So, <laughs> by the sounds of it, this was always the intention for this book, and you know, obviously, it seems like it was pretty popular, and the the team is already like working on another maxi, I guess, to follow up or or what, whatever the case is. So, that's um, cool. 
for Tyler and all those other fans out there of the book, uh, it seems like there's a future with Tom Taylor and the rest of the crew. So that's those two, Marco. I'll turn it back over to you to, to react, and then Phil can get a word in edgewise here. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, that, that was largely the, my, my main point was just it's interesting that it'll be like one of those books, like sad that Hellblade is going to go. Like, I feel like that book never gets a, a, a real good chance at, at stuff um, anymore. But you did also mention some stuff about the, one of the people who's heading a black label. Um, so now I wonder what this means for the imprints as well. Like obviously those aren't going to be priority anymore. So black label, um, well, young animal hasn't been around to uh, like recently, but uh, that means there's definitely no plans for like a vertigo comeback. Probably. Um, it, it's just, it, that, that kind of sucks. Like th- those were cool avenues and channels of uh, diversity within DC. But I guess, or like story diversity, but I guess, you know, we're not, for, for the time being, we're probably not going to see that. Yeah. And I think um, this was something that I wanted to call out from the Bleeding Cool article here, where it says, uh, some will see this as indicative of the recently announced firings at DC, which saw almost all senior figures laid off, albeit with 90 days notice taking them into mid-November. This is not true. These cancellations have been scheduled long before but it might not exactly exactly help what new titles were meant to relaunch or replace them towards the end of 2020 as originally planned. Mm. So Phil, I don't know this. What do you think about this? This sounds like a lot of lip service. Um, I don't doubt that in Kelly Sue's case or, or, uh, or in the case of um, suicide squad that those books were ending or anything. But to me, that also kind of is indicative of the thing I was saying earlier. Like, so those books were given a run. It's nice that they'll be able to wrap up how the authors intended, but you know, they were given an expiration date on their runs, which kind of tied together with something uh, Matt asked us last week about why authors aren't given long runs. And it often feels like it's a lack of confidence in the market of people buying comic books. So with things as they are now in the economy, you know, these books are coming to an end and it doesn't feel like anything's going to replace them. Uh, now, you know, a more optimistic uh, approach is to suggest that, you know, they'll, things, they'll, more books will be printed when the economy recovers. I don't feel optimistic about that, though. I feel like the editors that lost their jobs at DC, along with the senior executives, I feel like those jobs aren't coming back. Yes. Um, yep. And when those jobs are coming back, one of two things will happen. Either DC will maintain a low number amount of books they're publishing month to month, which I think is likely, or they'll increase production of books when the economy is stronger with less editors assigned to the books, making it, you know, making an editor's job more strained, which will ultimately impact the ultimate quality of a book. Uh, so I think no matter how you slice it, um, like these jobs aren't coming back and whether they start printing more books or not, the quality will suffer. Yeah. And I mean, it also to take it back to the point we were making during the, um, the New York comic-con discussion, it means that there's less jobs and comics to be had. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Um, it, it's like a niche market as it is. And, you know, I remember when I graduated college, I had aspirations of working for a, you know, a comic book company and 
just mm-hmm. you know the, the the reality of that is just not not likely it's hard it's really hard uh so then the other kind of just little bit that bleeding cool called out in this article before i move us along to the the next <laughs> wrinkle in this ongoing story that's still unraveling uh is and i'll just i'll just quote the article directly here but all this news is likely to take the shine off the upcoming DC fandom event. Many of those panels will have been pre and it's talking about panels relating to a bunch of these books and stuff uh, will have been pre-recorded. And I'm aware that a number of planned panels have been removed because they focus on a staffer who has been made redundant this week, which I thought that was an interesting wrinkle too, because, uh, and again, this all comes from Miss Johnson over at bleeding cool. Thanks, Rich. Um, I found I found that interesting because I think that that also speaks to I think a broader conversation we've been having about DC over the last couple of years where it's like it feels like there's a a real disconnect between the different levels of of power right the idea that they're like making these videos for this DC fandom event and then they go and clean house and make a bunch of them redundant like after they spent resources on them like if the powers that be at DC were aware of that, why would they bother going through those motions and wasting those resources and, and, and promoting books that were going to get canceled and, and all that stuff? You know, I don't know. It's interesting. You're going to see uh, a video with like uh, Bob Harris talking about something and like, ooh, bad timing. Yeah, right. So now it's like they're going to shelve a bunch of stuff that they made money to produce. Yep. Or they spent money to produce. Kelly C. DeConnick does a video. She's like, oh, I'm so excited about my next story arc in Aquaman. You guys are going to go bonkers when you see it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not great. So, Sorry. I, I, oh, yeah, I, no, go ahead. I, I had also seen like a similar tweet. And, and um, I, to, to your point, Pete, like if, if they knew about this, why even continue having gone through it? Like the, the timing is... And we were talking about it a little bit in the Discord too, but like the timing is obviously not ideal. But also, why bother then? You know, like like why have this event? Because what are you even going to talk about? Like, there's going to be redundancies, sure, but also like now, what do you even say? Like, how do you not address sort of the the elephant in in the room for that? You know, honestly, man, I I bet you that they're banking on the fact that there are a lot of people who will t- tune in for the DC fandom event that don't know or don't care about this mm. because, you know, they have uh, all of these TV shows that they need to talk about. And that speaks to a specific market. Right. And a lot of those people probably don't read comics um, as we've talked about a lot on this show. Right. Just because you watch superhero shit doesn't mean you read comics. Yeah. Um, and there's also like video game stuff. Like they're going to be showing off uh, Rocksteady's Suicide Squad game, which you know they've been working on for like six years, and people are really hype about. Like they're going to have a lot, and they're going to show off the Snyder Cut. They they confirmed this week, and uh, not show it off, but they're going to show some of it. Yeah. Um. So like, all of those things are like big San Diego Comic Con level entertainment headlines, and if anything. I think the timing of this speaks to what Phil said, where this probably speaks to a decision they've wanted to make. The, the powers that be made the call, don't give a shit about DC fandom, really, or are confident that enough people don't care about comics enough to, for that to take away from the video game and movie and TV announcements and stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what these things always boil down to. Um, it, entertainment um, grabs headlines first, and labor stuff uh, is not as not as sexy. So, all all of this being said, right? I think this is a thing we've been talking about for a long time and we've been speculating on for the last couple of weeks about what does this mean for the future of DC and you know, how is them changing their publishing model? And like, they're making all these moves that are very, very um, disruptive, right. To the, to the business as usual that they've had. And, you know, with this latest firing of all these people, the scaling back of these books, which as the bleeding cool article called out, you know, I think a lot of those are, probably decisions that were made before these firings came through, it speaks to the overall trajectory of DC changing quite a bit, right? And less books being published, less, less jobs there. And that led to a lot of speculation uh, and rumors coming through the mill about DC, like not publishing comics anymore and, and really, really fundamentally changing, or at least not doing it in the way they have, right? And fundamentally changing the way that their business works. And uh, Jim Lee, who, as we, we know now, is no longer an editor, but is still the CCO at DC. Um, he is, he, he spoke with The Hollywood Reporter this week. And our next couple stories are all stories that spun out of that interview. So if you have the time to go read it, it's long. We can't really get through quoting the entire thing here, um, but it's worth a read. And this um this 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 first bit right is him directly responding to that right with the question was you know asking whether dc will still publish comics he said absolutely 100 percent. it is still the cornerstone of everything that we do the need for storytelling updating the mythology is vital to what we do the organization leans on us to share and establish the meaningful elements of the content that they need to use and incorporate for all their adaptions or adaptations. When we think about reaching global audiences, we see comics as helping drive that awareness and that international brand. It's very much a part of our future. He added, that said, we will be reducing the size of the slate, but it's about looking at everything and looking at the bottom 20%, 25% of the line that wasn't breaking even or was losing money. It's more punch for the pound, so to speak and increasing the margins of the books that we are doing. It was about aligning the books to the franchise brand content we've developed and making sure that every book we put out, we put out for a reason. It's a lot of word salad there. What I got out of that was aligning the brand with the Swamp Thing TV show. So we're getting a new Swamp Thing book, guys. Really happy for you, Marco. Really happy for you. Very excited. Yeah. So like when I look at Marco sometimes like I've, I kind of picture his brain and I just imagine it's kind of covered in vines and roots and stuff yeah and it's just kind of poisoning his brain and so when he goes on late night binges like he does sometimes on Friday nights uh it kind of has a bad it's like your brain needs uh chlor- like chlorophyll uh you know because <laughs> it's a plant because and it's a plant it, it's a plant <laughs> It breaks is all I'm saying. Um, what that sounds like to me with Jim Lee is it doesn't sound healthy. It mm. sounds like the parent company is basically saying Superman, Batman, 
Wonder Woman, Justice League, and maybe a couple others. That's all we're, that's all we really care about. Yeah, and it it makes me wonder what the future looks like for the young animals, the Hill House stuff, like that kind of you know, the weird experimental DC stuff. And some of that stuff sells well, so I'm sure those books will be fine. But like are those the kind of risks this DC is going to take? I don't think so. Mm-mm. No. And uh, and it's Phil to your point, like if that's what they're just trying to focus on, then they're going to be quickly, I think, overtaken by like other companies. Cause you can sure you can, you know, put out those books, but if all you're trying to hit are like the Batman people and um, the Superman people, but you don't have like a larger palette, to be able to have those people who are already going to buy those books anyway, right? Like, like you already know that those people are going to buy those books. You don't know that they're going to buy a like Constantine or suicide squad or something. Right. So the, to some extent, there's the idea that somebody who's already a mark for these bigger heroes are going to try one of these other books. And I think, I think that at some point there, I obviously there has to be a balance of like how much you can actually um, put out. But I think there is that as a uh, as like a sort of a, a a measure and balance of this is also helping the bottom line. The the reality is I, I you know people have have been talking about DC just becoming a Batman company for for many years now, and um, it's been like an ongoing joke. Uh, I. Not optimistic about what DC's got coming forward. Is it a joke, Phil? I feel I feel like we read a Batman, uh, a book all about Batman today. That's true. <laughs> that we did. Batman Wars. Yeah, we'll be reviewing that later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I unfortunately agree with you, Phil. Um, as somebody who's been like really into like DC's direction over the last couple of years, and the fact that they had been branching out and doing weird stuff and you know, we had gotten books, you know, from them that were a little more off the beaten path. Um, that was something that I found really exciting. And it's definitely worrisome, especially like uh, for what it means for like Black Label, because that's already been struggling. And obviously they lost an, uh, a key player there. So I, I don't know, man. Like, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I think the future is going to be interesting. For DC, but not in a good way. <laughs> Hell of a year for DC, man. Hell of a year. Yeah. No, I just, uh, hopefully Marvel stays healthy. That's all I can say. They got that Disney money, baby. Yeah, but Disney, yeah, like if they're not profitable, I mean, how much longer does Disney care? I don't know. But I, I think I think there's probably um, this is just like conspiracy stuff. But like, there's probably. Oh. At at the at the Marvel Comics level, a somebody they're going like, "Yo, DC's DC's taking the dive off the deep end. Like, we gotta we gotta stay here to like overtake the the comics market at this point." And that's the thing they like they're not struggling, right? Like their right. their sales right. really have been strong and have maintained pretty strong for the last couple of years. Yep. The 
the other possibility down the road is Time Warner uh, sells off all its TC Comics uh, pro- uh, IPs. Yeah, it's to possible. Marvel. I mean, that's been a conspiracy forever is that Disney would buy that, but who the fuck knows? I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I, Jesus Christ, I hope not. Uh, so um, that wasn't all of the news that came out of, uh, out of Jim Lee's interview, as I, as I alluded to earlier. So this, uh, Lee claims that DC's comic sales are actually at, quote, the same level or higher since they departed Diamond. So in the interview, Lee said, not only has it exceeded our initial expectations, but the size and strength of the business is that, is that same level or higher than pre-COVID. There, have been, uh, there was a lot of fear-mongering out there about another Heroes World type of debacle that occurred decades ago. There's nothing, fur- there's nothing further from the truth. Things have transitioned very smoothly. That's not to say that there aren't kinks that need to be worked out. Uh, the new distributors, UCS and Lunar, they've done an amazing job transitioning all the content we produce and putting it into new pipelines and getting it to retailers. Lee went on to say that DC has, quote, gotten some tremendous numbers on some of its recent books. specifically. Batman three jokers. He said, we're back to press on Joker on the Joker war storyline that has been running in Batman, multiple printings on that. In fact, every issue since its launch has gone up in numbers and you know how hard it is, hard that is. Usually when you launch, you start big and the numbers go down, but here it's climbing issue to issue. We got our numbers for uh, three jokers and the first issue sold over 300,000 copies. And that's an $8 book. That's a gigantic number for having new distribution. So that's, that's really interesting um, to see that not only did that sell a huge amount of copies for a comic in general, it did it despite the shakeup to things, despite COVID, despite the fact that it's an $8 book, which means they made twice as much money on it almost per issue sold. Wild. That's, yeah, that's, that's a box office success, as it were. I, I wonder to what extent that's also just people having like gone back and hungry for the books. Cause I know that um, I, I think we reported it that uh, the comics industry, as they started reopening or rather as diamond started redistributing, like every publisher kind of saw a, a, a leap in sales or at the very least saw really good performance compared to pre COVID or like last year or something like that. So I wonder how much of it sort of falls within that realm um, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's good that, you know, people have sort of settled into the, into Lunar, um, and UCS as distributors. Um, I wonder though, like as, as time continues, as we kind of just get used to it all, what, what that'll look like for, for their sales and post all this news as well. Mike, my, my kind of concern with this is does DC and the powers that be learn the, the wrong lessons from this kind of book, right? Yeah. Because we're already talking about scaling back and publishing less books and publishing less weird books. So now we have a book that's Joker Wars. It's, you know, one of the most like bankable characters in their, you know, their rogues gallery. It's an issue number one. It's, you know, a book that I'm sure a lot of like speculators and stuff like that bought thinking that it'll be a popular book to resell one day, that kind of thing. Like, and it's $8 and they made a ton of money on it. Right. So is, is this the kind of thing that they're going to be doing 
when they are cutting that 20 to 25% that aren't profitable or aren't breaking even. And it's like, well, maybe we should do more premium Joker books. Maybe we should do more premium Batman books that cost $8. We need more jokester. (laughs) Give us the jokester, Phil. People up top, they're saying, why is crime so funny to our readers? They need it. They need more crime. (laughs) They want that whoopee cushion shit, baby. (laughs) I think that's the lesson that they're going to learn is that, um, like, the execs would be like, see, Joker's selling. Joker has something to do with Batman. Like, put up Batman. That's true. (laughs) The jokester. Everyone loves the jokester. Marco is the jerker. (laughs) <laughs> oh no i don't like that one is that my metal is that, is that my metal name for today <laughs> marco jerker <laughs> let's put a smile on that face so what do you guys make of? oh that was gross no no, no. i'm just gonna sidestep that right now what do you guys make of of what jim lee said about like their sales being the same or better. Like, are you surprised by that? Yeah, a little bit, honestly. Um, you know, I, the one thing I'm really, I guess, maybe not. Uh, it, it's not something I thought about, so I'm sorry for flip-flopping immediately there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though people are losing their jobs, people are at home more, and people are thirsty for entertainment. So we see uh, People like we see these movies are coming out for home service doing really well because people are stuck at home. Um, and then like when people can go out and do things like you see things like Jurassic Park uh, do really well in the box office because people are going to drive in movies where they're reshowing old movies and stuff. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that like something like this that has been anticipated for a long time with a really popular character with a established and popular uh, creative team would do well despite the higher sticker price. Yeah, and like a storyline that's been teased out for literal years. Yeah, exactly. That's why There's was... hype. There's momentum behind it for sure. What do you think, Marco? Yeah, I think um, uh, so, so what I mentioned earlier a little bit, like I, I, I don't know to what extent it's also just sales that are from the hype. Right. Um, I, th- I think it has to settle down a little bit and we have to like get back to like a, some sort of base level. Um, do you think that settles down to like a lower level though? Or cause he's saying that it's like the same or better. So say that the better we chalk it up to like people being hungry for content, people being hungry for this storyline specifically, that kind of thing. When it does kind of settle out, do you think that that's back to normal or do you think that that's less than normal based on what we're seeing right now? I think it'll go back to normal, like back to typical numbers that DC might see. Um, I think that, Yes, I think yes, they're seeing that that success, but I think it's early success. Like 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 this is you know the first issue. This is the first couple of issues, um, and for an event like this, you kind of need that that time. Um, uh, so so yeah, so I mean, I I definitely think that there's uh, these are early early indicators, but I think that these early indicators are being taken directionally or they should be taken directionally, but it looks like they might be taken like on a more actionable approach. And I don't know that that's the right way to, to do that or to, to read those numbers. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're probably, you're probably right about that. 
All right, so kind of the last uh, wrinkle here that I wanted to just pull on before we uh, before we jump into our reviews of uh, Empire and and uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal is uh, Lee also said that when he was talking about like their dis- their decision to uh, to move on from their partnership with Diamond, he said this wasn't about taking our distribution business and placing it in the hands of two entities. It was about what can we do together to do things that were never contemplated before, things that we would love to do to grow the physical market. Marco, uh, I specifically wanted to call that out because of you, because I think of all of us, you've been the one who's been the most supportive of DC's move here and kind of like the most bullish about its chances for success because I know that you really want to see the market get shaken up. What do you make of that comment? Um, I, I still think it's early, man. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they're seeing this, this success, but I just think it's, it's too early to say. Um, it, you know, this, this only started happening, what, a few, few weeks ago at this point? You know, um, people are obviously, like, like you mentioned, hungry for content and stuff, but... Um, I don't know. I, I I definitely think that it's it's uh we're they're they're going to be learning the wrong lessons from this. Um, and I, I think I mean at, at the very least, like for the on the physical side, like it's awesome because it's obviously helping um, uh, comic shops. Obviously, there are issues with that. You guys can can go back to listen to some of the the episodes that we've done on that. But I think um, uh, I think I, I think even with this enthusiasm. Um, which is great, you know. Comics are, are back. Um, uh, the the market was definitely shaken up, and and I like I, I like that. But I don't know that um, we're we're seeing the uh, the smoke, and we're not like taking a look at the fire just yet. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. All right, so we'll leave it there for now. Uh, I'm sure that there will be updates on this story in the weeks to come as we you know, come to kind of understand the full ramifications of it. And you have to imagine that with so many key players at DC gone, that there will be uh, some significant updates to come, not to mention the fact that next week is, of course, DC Fandom. So I think uh, not only, yeah, right, uh, may temper the hype a little bit, but uh, I, I think um, <laughs> that's more appropriate. That's more appropriate. So I, I think between that and, you know, for good and ill, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about DC in the weeks to come uh, quite a bit more. So uh, with that, we will take a break from the DC stuff and jump into our review of Empire number five. All right. So let's, let's jump into it. I don't want to. Oh, you're really excited. Dude, I, I, I got a. I'm I'm just gonna I'm not gonna spoil my my thoughts on this issue. I hate Empire. Well, you hate it. I don't think you were that far before. No, like I, it's just like I just I'm bored. Like I'm bored by it. Like it feels like a chore to read. It reminds me of how I felt about um, Event Leviathan. You think this is better or worse than Event Leviathan? Better, I guess, but like marginally, because like. At least things are happening in this book. You know, like, it's like, I think there's a lot of uh, really expository dialogue and there's a lot of dense pages and there's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff that feels stiff and just stuff that doesn't vibe for me. But similar to that book, like, the art is pretty good. 
mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it for that. And, you know, I just like, like you can, I, you could literally list out a bullet point of things that happened. So I guess it's literally more interesting than event Leviathan because that entire book was like a group of the world's most interesting detectives sitting around talking about how they had already solved the mystery <laughs> rather than showing me them solving the mystery, but whatever. Thanks Bendis. Uh, for this one, it's just like, I literally said to myself while I was reading this, I was like, I just know that Al Ewing is capable of like a higher caliber of, of writing. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And like, it just, it feels like a bland event comic. And it's like, it reminds me of how I felt about like reading. And obviously like, you know, we're, we're, uh, hot and cold, I think, is the nicest way to say it about Tom King these days. But like, it's how I felt about like reading Heroes in Crisis, where it's like this just doesn't feel like it's suited to his strengths. Sure, you know. I'll tell you what is kind of frustrating. We've talked about this many times with movies and comic books, but uh, there's something to be said about showing and not telling. Um, Sometimes telling works if you're doing something that's like very like you have muses and has like kind of a a grandeur quality to it and its narrative structure. Right. That's very difficult to pull off. You have to be a very, very good writer to do something like that. Like have very flowery prose and stuff like that. Most people can't write that way. Um, I think a lot of comics don't lend themselves to it either. Um not event comics, certainly. Right. And that's where we find ourselves. So this issue opens off with showing Hulkling and Wiccan getting married. And that's like a fine sentiment, but, you know, it's lending itself too much on our established history of these characters from you know, the last 15, 10 years or so, rather than what we've seen in the book itself. And that's an issue. Um, it, 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 it's like when you have a spinoff of a popular TV show or something and it's relying or, or, or reboot or something like that. And it's, it's relying too heavily on the beats from what made the original version of it popular Yeah. here. You know, it feels like Hulkling and Wiccan are barely characters because we haven't really gone through the journey with them here in empire. Uh, and that's really frustrating. The other thing that's really frustrating is that we get set up with a possible twist in the last issue where Hulkling, you know, seems like he's taking a real hard heel turn and Wiccan is like, no, I know that's not the real Hulkling. And it's, it's that bow is tidied up within an issue later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's not narratively satisfying. I think to that point, um, that's that's exactly how like i i felt reading reading it it's like it, you know it's cool that we we get to see these characters necess- and we, that we get to see the characters they interact for a little bit but because there's no like no em- emotional stake i i didn't really connect with them and it might make more sense if you have some history with them but um since i since i don't i think some of that was a little helpful for me at least to try to you know relate to them and stuff um but when all of a sudden um you know hulkling gets revealed that's not a payoff you know it, it's it, not a payoff 
it's not a payoff and, and, and you need that. And I think that speaks to, to what you're, you're saying, uh, Phil, like it, it gets wrapped up literally, like I wouldn't even say an issue later because it's like halfway through the book, you know? And like that happened at the end of last issue. It's like half, half, a, half a comic, you know? Like, you just wrap that whole thread in, um, in one. Yeah, and I, and I also feel like um, to build off the point that you made, Phil, about it relying on you having a history with these characters and knowing them, which again, like I don't either. Um, I think it also like, it's very much like, Oh, this happened in this tie-in, this happened in this tie-in, this happened in this tie-in. And it's like, well, I don't want to go read all those tie-ins, man. Like, and I, I don't think I should have to, because like, I, I look at the other book that we're going to talk about today, Dark Knight's death metal. And like, I've not read any of those tie-ins. I don't read, I'm not reading justice league or, or what's going on in, you know, like, any of the books that connect to it, except for its its predecessor event, and I, and it and it hasn't required that of me. That's the hallmark of a good event. I think of uh, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis, which are two of my all time favorite comic book events, or or even you know um, comics. Blackest. <laughs> of course, who could forget the seminal event onslaught? Sinestro Corps War or Blackest Night, things like that. These are uh, events I really enjoyed at the time, and granted, you know, I was younger when I read them, and so that could maybe influence my why I enjoyed them or something, or why I remember them fondly. But what I distinctly remember is that the tie-ins were ancillary reading; they're not prerequisites for understanding what's happening. They're they're really good ones, and oftentimes in many events, a lot of the tie-ins are really good. That, that, that's fair. There's less stakes uh, on the creative team to. Uh, put out something that's, you know, grandiose or whatever. Uh, but it shouldn't be, it really shouldn't be mandatory reading to, to be able to understand and more importantly, enjoy the central event itself. Uh, and I don't feel like that's happening here. I feel like so much of what is happening is happening in the tie-ins around Empire. And I say that in an uneducated kind of way because I'm not reading the tie-ins. But when the fact that these five issues of empire it feels like so much is happening around it and not on the panels itself then it leaves me feeling disadvantaged i think particularly like through the example of like what we're talking about with hulkling right where like as someone who doesn't know that character i know i'm like i'm speaking you know with not all you know not all the pieces together but like my perception of events right is like okay Hulkling is now the leader of this empire, right? And he's acting a little bit differently, but like, it wasn't like, it, it just feels like his whole, like all of a sudden I'm ready to blow up the sun and full heel turn. Like that happens really quickly. And then the revelation that it's not really him happens very quickly. And then the resolution of it not being him happens very quickly. And it's just like, it just feels like I'm getting like whiplash from these story beats, you know? And like, it feels like again, the whole book is about telling me what's happening and what the stakes are and why I should care rather than making me care. And we've read plenty of event books, you know, like, like I think about the stuff, like we've read like what, two Hickman events for the book club. Yeah. And they were both books that I didn't read the stories that they were connected to. Like I just read the event and 
it was just a good story and it made me know who the characters or the, who the players were and why I care, why I should care and what their relationships mean to each other and all that. Not like this book, which feels like it's just kind of like rattling off facts of like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens because of this. And it's but, like, all right, well, but you should have well, like, whatever. I don't, I don't feel connected to it at all. Like I don't give a shit, you know? If you want to make more of an impact about Hulkling, his heel turn, the story should have started with him as a heel. Because that is out of left field, but that's the hook. Oh, why is Hulkling behaving this way? That's right. how it should have started. And then you start peeling back the onion. And, like, why hasn't, why hasn't Wiccan been involved until now? Yeah, these are questions that you'd have saw, like, answered narratively throughout a six-issue story or whatever. Instead, it, it, it tried... Like, Doing it literally uh, in a linear kind of way uh, clearly doesn't work when it's only six issues long. Yeah, because it's like I remember when when they they introduced Wiccan, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So here's this wrinkle that like it's not really Hulkling, but like there's a reason why it's not really Hulkling, and like I wonder what that means, and like how hard is it going to be for them to have to come face to face with someone that's not really their husband, like all those things that like they don't do anything with and they have no emotional weight because it's like, as soon as Wiccan's like, that's not the man I married. Here's our wedding. And also I figured it out already. It's like, the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like that, they just, it just feels like a sequence of events. Also, wouldn't it have been more interesting if like I'm determined to reveal that this isn't my husband and it turns out it is? Yeah, or like, I don't know, even if it isn't, and that's really what they want to commit to, like make that like mean something, like play, like maybe like make Wiccan think that it is the real Hulkling. And you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that you could do to There's no suspense. Yeah, and there's no there's no emotional depth. Because again, we don't know these characters beyond their history. They haven't been set up like the story is more concerned with the event itself and its characters, and that's a flaw. And the event itself isn't interesting. Right. Because it's not, you know, it's not even like, you know, I remember when we were like reading Heroes in Crisis and hoping that it was going to turn into something. Um, it's like, well, there's a mystery. Like, and right. And I, and I want to know what the answer to the mystery is. There's no mystery here. There's no, there's no like question. There's no intrigue. It's, we already know what's up with the Katati. We know they fooled the Avengers. We know what the stakes are, and now we know that there's, oh, there's a ticking clock, but guess what? Twist! There's two ticking clocks! Uh, All right. Like, whatever. They're going to fucking solve it. The universe doesn't end here, obviously. I think think those are all, like, elements to help augment the the book and its quality. Like, I I think, think, um, to your point, Pete, like, it is, like, a sequence of events, and the sequence of events are, like, fine at, like, at best, you know? And these are the these are the individual like narrative pieces that, if they were included, would make this a book that um, like I would want to come back to. But because they don't, it's just kind of like all right, they were just going through that through that motion. This is the event, and that's kind of it. Beats it feels like yeah, and, and I, I I I mean that's like fine to tell your story, but it's not fine to make it like something really awesome and engaging. And, and that's how I've, I've, like, I've felt with this book where it's just like, I'm like, all right, this is fine. This is all right, cool. This is happening. Like, you know, it, I'm, I'm neither 
uh uh like so drawn into the story but nor am i necessarily like out and i mean if if that's the the goal then i guess you got me but um i i think they're they're to all the critiques we've been lobbying at it i think there's like ways to help make it that much more better that much better um yeah and the avengers and fantastic four for the most part outside of you know, like Johnny and Ben or whatever, or, and, and T'Challa, they all feel like just plot devices waiting for when the Avengers need to step in and, salt and you know, save the day. Bro, where are the Avengers, son? Like, uh, Tony's still building his stupid, sh- like, suit or whatever. That's my process, Marco. It's building <laughs> armor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's not great. Uh, it feels... Um, it's it's disappointing. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about the art a little bit before we move on. Um, where are you guys at with the art in this book? It's good. Oh, it's, it's good enough. It's good. I like it. It's not. It's certainly not the issue with the book. Yeah. The colors are good. Yeah. Yeah. The colors are definitely good. Um, yeah. I just like. I don't think it's bad. I think it's just like. I guess. This is, like, where cosmic stuff loses me sometimes. You know, it's, like, I really don't like watching, like, giant space battles. Like, they feel, like, very, like, formless. You know, like, it's just, like, I just, I don't know, it just feels like action figures smashing together. And, like, it's not, (laughs) like, not good. It's just, like, I don't, I don't feel like there was a a big memorable moment in the book. You know? Uh, Yeah. Excuse me, Tony has a suit with a four on it. Cool. Oh, great. Show some respect. Or you know, it's like that. I, I don't know, dude. Like I know, like stuff like that is supposed to be cool, you know. And like <laughs> I feel like it, like if that as a thing, reminds me of the same reaction we had to the whole like Carol being an accuser thing, where it's like, oh, that should have been cool, but it's not. <laughs> no, it, I, I said when we previewed this book, it sounded lame, just for what it's worth. Fair, but like and it could be cool, but it's not. I, I didn't think so, but that's okay. Uh, I really can't knock the art. The art itself, it, 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 I, I, I think it looks pretty good. I think, yeah. I think, like a lot of the panels, you know, a lot of the pages are like less than four panels or so. So that has a lot of breathing room for the art and. Honestly, if it didn't have dialogue, you know, might I really feel mean for saying that, but it might be a better book because, like, really, the art is—I think the art's really lovely here, mm-hmm. uh, from the design to the coloring and from like the panel layout. Um, this is this is an event book, and like, it looks like the quality that you would expect from an event book. Um, I don't think these are like I don't like I don't look at this as like this doesn't feel particularly cosmic to me. Like most of this is in Wakanda, right? Yeah. A lot of the fights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're right. Um, I yeah. guess it's just cause it's like these big sprawling fights with like the anime swoosh line backgrounds. Like, yeah, you're right though. It's not really cosmic. It's just like, I guess it just feels that way to me and like in a bad way. I, I think it's like, cause of the, to your point on like the battles and stuff, like uh, they, they're just kind of like happening. It feels like noise more than anything else. Yeah. Um, Maybe and, it's and just because I don't give a shit about the conflict. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that, that that's what it was for me because I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I could have very well have 
skip these these fight scenes over. Um, but to your point, Phil, like like the the art made it visually interesting for me. Like there there are these moments where we hit like a nine panel grid, but the the panels themselves are like slanted and like go across, and then some of the art inside it spills over. The lettering's really cool. Um, uh, I'm looking at one that has like the the this thing. It's going like braca 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 braca. Like like it's like it, it, you know the, the, they do some neat stuff uh, visually, but um, you know they have to hook me. Listen, in in entertainment and in, in art that has that features a battle or anything like that, action isn't enough to make things interesting. I I think of a, you know a good example is Star Wars. Um, the conflicts in the original movies aren't, you know, they aren't like crazy choreographed like they're in a prequel trilogy, but it's the emotional stakes that are on the line that makes the fights compelling. The right. fights themselves are are a backdrop to the bigger narrative at play here. You know, battles for Luke Skywalker's soul and the battles for Darth Vader's soul and, and like what it means to be like, you know, a Jedi and things like that. Same things with like, you know, Dragon Ball, like the fights are, are more meaningful and they, there's things on the line, like Goku versus Vegeta the first time. It like has to do with Goku's human versus Saiyan heritage and like class warfare because you know, Vegeta is like an elite royal figure and Goku's you know, trash. <laughs> there, a, fight, a fight has to mean something. Whereas like Dragon Ball GT, like they don't mean anything. And here, Pete, when you read this, the choreography may be done really well, just like it is in the prequel trilogy of Star Wars or something, but you don't care because the book isn't giving you any reason to care. So yeah, it just you feels don't hollow. care. Yeah. And it's it's funny, uh when you made you made the point about the uh the art and like how uh it would be better if there wasn't dialogue. Specifically looking at the first couple pages about Wiccan and, and Hulkling's wedding, I'm just like looking at it and not reading and I'm like, this is actually better. Huh. Like just the just the sequence of them getting married. Like if that was like a short in like a anthology book or something, you'd be like, "Oh, that's really cute." Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that's like if that so was like often... a, in like a giant size X Men kind of presentation where there was like just no dialogue and it was that whole thing of and it was stretched out. I'd be like, "That's actually a cute issue of a book." <laughs> so often on the Comics Pals proper show, you know, we read books by authors who want to cram as many words as possible in panels and. The reality is you don't need that most of the time. Most of the time you can just let the art speak for itself. You, like there's certain less is more so often. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. So uh, on that note, let's, um, let's jump over to a book that I actually enjoyed, uh, which is Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, Marco, do you have to shoot or do you have a little bit to discuss this with us? Uh, a little bit. All right, so why don't you start then? Um, Dark Knight's Death Metal number three. Uh, I have been high on this book pretty much the entire time because it knows what it is, and I'm enjoying that. Uh, but I know, uh, Marco, you've been kind of, I think, a little bit more lukewarm on it. How did this issue sit with you? I'm, I'm still lukewarm, and it's not because it's like, like it's crafted well, the art's great, the, the story is wacky enough to follow and everything. Um, and, and I definitely think, to, to your point, like this this issue I felt more of that, like it, that it really knows what it is, especially when it came to the one moment with, with Jaro and like at the bottom, there's like the editor box and it's like, Oh, you know, you, you would know if you read justice league or just make it up. I'm like, all right. 
like that like, like <laughs> that's a good moment that's like good superhero comic shit and and i think this one turned it around a little bit for me um uh in in the moments i think overall like it's still a little too superhero-y for like superhero crazy comics for me but like it's it, it's fun and i'm 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 finding the the fun moments uh, more entertaining more so than I was. Bro, this isn't just superhero insanity. That's like it's turned to twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the on spinal 11. tap of of superhero like dumb bullshit insanity. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like uh, like I think I said this in like when we did the first book club or whatever. The first when we read Metal, um, and like. It it just feels like what like a stoner metalhead teenager would be like. Oh yeah, like I drew Batman, but he's got a leather coat and there's spikes on it, and he's got a motorcycle with the debt like a fucking Joker face, and there's a Joker dragon, and like you know what I mean? Like it's so like extra over the top dumb shit that like I just vibe with it because like I I feel like Empire is like the the mirror image of this where like that feels like ah uh, this is like too event superhero-y shit for me to get into it but like this is like i feel like it's leaning into all the like dumb impulses that come along with that and i just like i don't know i'm here for it and i don't quite know why but like every time i read this book like i'm just smiling the whole time I'm like oh this is so stupid i love it pete pete wait Fuck, wouldn't it be crazy if like Superman had a uh, had fucking long hair? That's bro, the whole thing, dude. Bro, and his belt would be chains. That'd be so fucking badass. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, bro. Wait. Oh, wait, what? wait. Phil, Phil, sorry, hold on. Pass it, pass it. Oh shit, dude. What if what if Darkseid wore a Batman costume? Fuck. That'd be wild. And like all the parademons were Robins? Shit. Oh, what would we name them? Pete. Oh, here you go, Pete. Here, here. Uh, what if we name him uh, Para-Robbins? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a Kevin Smith podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Dude! <laughs> Alright, no, but really, what if Swamp Thing was a shield and then a hammer? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah! Mark, yeah uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, I, I I'm glad that this book <laughs> starred Swamp Thing. So, can we just can we just real quick? How funny is it that like there's a shot of them riding and he's a shield and then he's never used as a shield and yeah. the next time we, I feel like they just halfway through the book were like nah fuck it what if he was a hammer instead? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what if Swamp Thing was a hammer? <laughs> Bro, uh, yeah, no, it kicks ass. This book slays. Dude. Slays is the right word for it too. Yeah, I can't even say it slaps. It slays. Um Oh also, wait guys, uh, wait, hold on. Speaking of slays, I forgot we didn't do our death metal names this month this week. Oh, I certainly did. Well, all right, well go ahead. What's yours? Uh Jerker. <laughs> Marco Jerker? Kunalata? That's what you got for me? Yeah. Alright, Phil, what about you? Uh plastic chain mail. <laughs> Okay. That was on the spot. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. I'm going to be putrid Pete and Bessie. Oh, that's pretty good. nice. Yeah. Might be more um, than metal, but whatever. 
I loved watching Lobo uh, mow down people in the fifth dimension, by the way. That was one of the best segments in the book. Oh, my God. That art was incredible. Like, I love um, the, like, the first, like, wide panel of him and, like, all his, like, fucking late 80s, early 90s designed glory. And there's just the sun, like, peeking yeah. out behind the cloud. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't like this. It's so good. <laughs> I'm just a whittle twee. Don't hurt me. And he just rips, just, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Just ripping thing out of his mouth. Like, oh, my God, dude. It's so, it's so brutal. What do you think is going on um, with that stuff? That's the death metal. And then, I, I, well, uh, obviously the reveal at the end with, like, Luther. But I, I thought he's, like, amassing the Dragon Balls or something, man. He's going to, like, change the world or some shit. And that's what he's going to try and do. Yeah, he wants to summon, he wants to summon the dragon so he can have immortal youth, uh, just like Demon King Piccolo. My question is, uh, what like what do you guys make of what's going on with Superman and Batman? Yeah, they were sus. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm pretty sure they're not ours. No, I don't think so. But that's, that's okay. Clear. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, but, like, what's the deal? Right. I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't paid enough... I haven't paid close enough attention. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh... Phil's attention bounced off of... off this book, much like the dark side weapon bounced off of uh, Batman using Bat Blocker. The wow. fuck is that? Dude, it's Batman shit, alright? It's the <laughs> it Bat is. Blocker. Bro, when they used it on Superman, it just tickled. <laughs> oh my god, though, I loved uh, like the and again, it's like it's cheesy ass dialogue, but this book is cheesy, so I don't care. But I thought it was really funny how Harley was just like, "Man, like I'll give it to you, man. Like no matter what universe it is, like you got you got good branding." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like where's the shit? He's like, bats are never tacky. And she's like, put that shit on a bumper sticker, like. <laughs> I feel like that's that's I feel like that's a conversation Scott Snyder probably had in real life, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna put that in my book." <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, what's the deal with all this the your Batman work, bro? But bats are never tacky. Bats are never tacky. <laughs> it's the Scott Snyder motto. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Jaro. <laughs> yeah, dude, universe is that little, <laughs> that little jail suit was just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, the first antagonists of the Justice League were Staros, and there's a little one that's in a prison jumper breaking down rocks with a sledgehammer um, who's like Batman's son. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's, they need him because he's the most powerful psychic being in the entire universe. This is the newest addition of the Bat family? I'm, oh, oh, oh. That star. Here for that. <laughs> Give me a Jaro book. <laughs> Marco, you should author that book, bro. Dude, Give me a Jaro book where he's Robin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would read a book with him and like Bat might team you up. That'd be pretty chill. Oh, that would be cool. Oh my god. Mr. Mixelplick, mm-hmm. they try to they try to prank Mr. Mixelplick. <laughs> That's a great book. Also, it's ama- I'm glad Mr. Mixelplick wasn't killed in the fifth dimension by Lobo. Oh, that's his mm. name. I wouldn't miss him. That's where he's from. Hey, Wheezy now. 
Yo, like my like Mr. Mixel Spitlick, the only way we can make uh, Pete disappear, or the comic spouse for that matter, is if we get uh, Pete to say his name backwards, uh, which is what Superman would always have to do, the Mr. Mr. Uh, Mixel Spitlick. It's the same thing. You can Only we can make a comic spouse episode end. You'll never get me to do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think if any of us were from the fifth dimension, it would be Marco. Hell yeah, oh, he dude. might be, honestly. I'm from the sixth dimension. Okay, Whoa. Grant. <laughs> Wait, here you go, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all about the sixth dimension, brother. Bro, I went past the seventh dimension. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Yo, oh, so man. anybody know what's up with Lex's face? No. No. It's gnarly, though. Uh, I'm sure we'll... F- Actually, I don't think we'll ever find out. I don't know if it matters. He kind of looks Sean like... Knows. He kind of looks like uh, the Shazam uh, villain. What's his name? Oh, yeah. The, the doctor. Do- whatever. Doctor. Hmm. He does look a lot like him in this image specifically. Hold on. Is how freaking angular his face is. Savannah. Yeah. Dr. Savannah. Oh. <laughs> like, if you just look at the, the right half of his face that's not burned, like, he, just, he looks like Nosferatu a little bit. It's <laughs> like so pointy. Nosferatu. <laughs> He kind of does, yeah. He's got to flick the light switch on and off. <laughs> Yo, and the comic will ooze green slime. Excuse me. Oh, they uh, always do that. Speaking of oozing green slime, that uh, I didn't know that death metal was so green. Yo, wait. Okay, so hold on. Here's a dumb Superman thing. Uh, <laughs> have you ever heard of turquoise kryptonite? Phil, how how do you feel about about them just like taking all these different kinds of kryptonite to make stained glass to just make him sweat to death or whatever? Like, it was such a weird form of torture. No, that's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you don't understand, guys. If Superman is forced to sweat too much, ants will come out of him. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that's right. That's a callback. Take that, Superman. Um. So I, I had to look it up. Uh, traditionally, blue kryptonite makes Bizarro smarter. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, I hope they bring Bizarro into this somehow now. That would be so sick. Are you kidding me? That's I would love to see Bizarro about, here. It's just stuff being sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, we said that at the end of the first episode review, but that's true. Uh, I still don't really have any idea what the hell's going on, but that's okay. I don't, I don't really care, I don't feel though. lost for it. Yeah. Marco, how do, how are you interpreting events here? Yeah, like uh, I'm, I I don't know. I'm 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 kind of <laughs> lost as to like what what's going on. But I think I think oddly enough, this is a book where like I you just take it issue by issue and like appreciate the issue. Um, like I know what's going on. It's just weird. Like it's weird comic book shit. Because like the whole thing is that the Batman who laughs became Doctor Batman and is trying to kill. His master, who's that big lady in the sky, and I don't remember her name, but they Perpetua. said it was Perpetua, trying to kill her so he can take over and perpetuate more dark universes or whatever, and Wonder Woman's going to stop him. Right. With her team of superheroes and Swamp Thing's a hammer. <laughs> Got it. Yo, All but, right. did you, but did you see that Swamp Thing was a hammer, though? Yeah, it was lit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I guess the other, the other big wrinkle... Uh, this issue was kind of the establishment of Robin King. I know we had seen hmm. kind of the bestowal of that title on him, I guess, in the last issue. Oh, but yeah. Actually seeing that kind of come to roost now. Um, 
his design is really funny to me. It reminds me of Johnny Depp in the when he played Tonto in the Lone Ranger <laughs> from like 2014. You know? Oh, yeah. Like with his weird like crow like shoulder pads or whatever. Uh, yeah, and and he um he dug up Barry's dead mom and stuffed her into a flash ring. You know, normal shit. What is a flash ring? Are you kidding me? Come on. Oh wait, so, wait, wait, wait! I think I know. It's uh, where he puts his uh, his um, his costume, right? Isn't it like a pocket dimension? Yeah, man. Tradi- famously in Barry Allen comics, Barry Allen has a ring on his hand that when he pushes a button, the costume comes out, and he uses his super speed to get in the costume really fast. Uh, okay. Yeah, dude. I mean, I've never also like in the Flash show. I've never really read like a solo Flash book, so I, I don't like. I knew he had a ring, I guess, in passing, but like I didn't know what it was for by any stretch. Keeps his costume. So he stuffed her rotting corpse in a... That's fucked up, dude. Yeah, well, he's joke. He's like the jokester, man. He's jokester robbing. He's thinks, a little, he's he thinks a little, grave robbing is funny. He thinks it's funny to rob graves. <laughs> That's so twisted. Damaged. That boy is damaged. Clearly. Long live the king. Yes, I don't know. What you, would you think about him? Uh, man, I don't know. He's just a little Robin King. He talks a lot. He's clearly like Damian Wayne uh, if he was a jokester. I like his little thorn, his thorny crown. It's like mm-hmm. very um, pagan. Uh, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, considering it's like he's like a Robin. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. He's got a nest on his head. I was literally thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't have any strong feelings about the Robin King. I really want Wonder Woman to keep her hot girl highlights forever. Hot girl highlights. Now it's your turn to educate us. I mean, uh, look at them. Their hair. Yeah, it's like Gamora had them too. You know, they're they're cool. Is that what that's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah, I think. I don't think that's what that's supposed to be. I don't think it's that she dyed her hair, but that's how it looked in all these issues. No, above her is blue lights, and in comics, characters with black hair when Light, like, uh, you know, shines on it a certain way, makes it look blue. That's why no, so many people for no. so many years thought Superman had blue hair. Yeah, no, You're no, correct. I know that. I read comics, Phil, but that's not, like, that's not what's happening here. Like, she look has, at those, like, look at, look at the, look at the last, uh, the last page that she's on, where, like, everybody puts their hands in, right? At the top of her hair, that's what's happening. You see the, the light reflection there's two or three of them like at the, on the black part. But then at the bottom, it's clearly blue that's going to a white highlight. Huh. And I feel like it got stained that way by the metal or some weird thing or whatever. But like, it definitely looks like she just has highlights. Uh, girls don't do the Auburn style hair anymore. That was like really hot in 2013. It's a shame. It's a cool look. That's what I'm saying. She's bringing it back. She's bringing it back. Gamora is like the only one who does it these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because fashion is much slower in space. Exactly. <laughs> but not here. Not in the, not in the metal universe. <laughs> <laughs> They're bringing all kinds of weird stuff back, like trench coats. <sighs> Did they ever really leave? <laughs> Leather pants. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I love this book, man. I really do. Like it's dumb, but it's fun, and the art's, art's good. great. It's so, just yeah, it just excellent. rocks. Like it fucking rules. It's a really just this book kicks ass, man. It's a perfect summer popcorn comic. Uh, 
that's a good way of putting it. Capullo, man, he's gonna go down as an all timer for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I I've I really enjoyed this book and well, it's only got two more left, right? I believe so. Yeah. It's yep. Five issues. Yeah, I'm here for it. And Empire only has one. Thank, Thank goodness. God. <laughs> Wait, that's next week, isn't it? We yep. have to read that for our 200th episode. What a oh. stain in our episode. <laughs> what a stain on episode 200 to have to finish Empire. Ugh. I've been, like, hoping every week that Sean would just, like, kill it. And I knew that this week I had the opportunity because I was taking over, but I didn't want to be that asshole. No, you should have done it. I, I, would I know. I, did I know it. you did. I, and I called you an asshole at the time. So, <laughs> you know, I got it. I would have killed it. I, I, I guess I just hold myself to a higher standard than you guys. Mm-hmm. The honor. <laughs> Whatever you know. helps you sleep at night, homie. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Good luck at the newlywed game next week. Thanks, Phil. Uh, it's going to be tough fitting this one in there. On That's going to be a long episode. It's going to be the first four-hour episode of the Comic Spells, I think, on it right now. <laughs> if you first. listen to yeah, if you listen to our listeners, I'll tell you it's the 200th episode. That's four hours. <laughs> da, 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 da. Bow. So, uh, if you guys are enjoying these books or not enjoying them, you know, remember you can write in, uh, hit us up um, at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Join us on the Discord. Uh, hit us up on, on social media at thecomicspals, wherever your social media is sold. And, uh, of course... You know, um, check out check out all the cool stuff we've got going on, right? Episode 200 is next week. We've got that giveaway. If you want to snag a Hoxpox hardcover, uh, that's the best way to do it. Check out our Swamp Thing book club coming up at the end of the month. Remember, you can, uh, of course, read along, get your questions read uh, on that episode. So we hope you'll, we hope you'll write in. Uh, we'd really greatly appreciate it. So if you've uh, been a longtime listener, never written in, uh, the last time I asked people, or that Sean asked, they did it. So I'm doing it now. So do it, please. And, uh, you know, go give us a review on your platform of choice, like, share the show, you know, do all the things to help, uh, help spread the love, spread the word of the comics pals and, uh, come be a part of all the cool stuff we're doing. And, uh, of course, again, head over to the YouTube channel, uh, where you can watch us live and catch the videos and you're definitely going to want to tune in and watch episode 200. I think at least for the newlywed game, uh, the visuals on that one were, were, were fun, I think. So, uh, I hope you'll check it out. And um, yeah, so let's jump into the plugs. I usually go first. Um, so I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, also listen to um, the other podcasts. I do the podcast over on the lootpots.com. We talk about Nintendo. Um, go check it out. Wow. Look at that. You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Go and talk to me about Dragon Ball because I'm watching that right now. It's a lot of fun. Nice. And I'm doing my reread of Swamp Thing. So if you guys need an encyclopedia to provide you with additional context on anything, tweet at me. Come talk to me in the Discord. I will. I am more than happy to engage with you. Oh boy! Uh, check out our friends Kale at Toto and Toe on Instagram and Twitter. Check out his books, uh, panels publishing, all that stuff. Kaleword.com. Network.com and his pod, his other podcast gone global and then uh, check out our friend uh, another pal Sean Bartley at uh, 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 Sean's uh, Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. As for me, you can find me at Cyber Bebop and uh, yeah, Dragon Ball Talk is really monopolized the Discord these days. So get in on that, folks. It's a lot of fun. All right. 
And with that, we are the Comics Pal signing off. We will catch you next week. When's, when's Jersey Batman coming? 